Man, it is, it's crazy that I'm standing here today. It really is. If you knew just what God has done in my life and how he's brought me to this point, it's really just outstanding to me that I'm getting to talk to you, even though it took Larry two years to make it happen. (laughs) No, it really is. It's such a privilege for me to be able to share with you today. Um, and God really has done some cool things in my life, and he's, he's kind of turned my world upside down a couple times, and it was all part of his plan and his purpose, and so I want to share that with you today. Um, I want to let you know just a little bit of, of how he's brought me here. Um, but I have to tell you, preparing for this message, everybody kept telling me, oh, you're, you're fine, you do this every week. And I'm like, no, I do this for, this for two minutes every week. This is like 40 of those put together. Like, so, so I've got 28 two-minute little sermons that I'm going to tell you today. No, I don't. But really, I kind of felt out of my element, like, man, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. And I just kept thinking, what would Larry do? And so I asked Ben... <laughs> He's not even in here. Oh, he is in here. Good. (laughs) I asked Ben to find the most scholarly looking picture of Barry, of Larry that he could find. And here's what we have. And I just kept thinking, man, what would Larry do? Like he does this every single week. And I'm just like blown away by that. Aren't you (laughs) like that? He does it every week and he does it well that we want to come back and we want to hear what he has to say is really a big deal. And so I thought, well, I know a few things that Larry does. Like, I don't know everything, but I know he sits on his porch like every single day for like an hour. So I thought, well, I'll try that. So I went outside, I sat on my porch, and about two minutes later, my five-year-old comes up and she's like, what are you doing? And and about two minutes after that, my, my great Dane comes up and she's like, what are you doing? Can I help? And so I was like, well, this isn't working. So what else does Larry do? Well, he drinks a lot of coffee. And I was like, oh, that's probably what it is. You know, he probably drinks like a whole pot of coffee and just like pounds through this message in one one day. So I drank a ton of coffee one day and I did everything. Like I was all over the place. I never sat down and looked at this message though. (laughs) Like I couldn't sit down for two seconds. I was running to the bathroom or I was running to do other things or running 10 miles around the church. I got nothing done. And so I thought, well, what else does Larry do? Like, how does he do this? He has this really cool computer program, and it shows, like, commentaries on everything, and then it shows you all these different, like, here's the Hebrew word, and here's the Greek word, and here's the hyperlinks for everything. I was like, that's what it is. That's how he does this every week. So I pulled up a commentary, and the first one that I opened was by Charles Spurgeon. And I don't know, does anybody in here read Charles Spurgeon for fun? No, you don't. You, you should just leave now if that's what you do for fun because this message is going to be way below Charlie Spurgeon, I promise. Man, I didn't understand even the first line of what he was saying. He said the word henceforth, and I was like, nope, that's not going to work. So, so really, man, I, I felt like, man, what am I doing here? I don't know how to put this all together. And maybe, maybe you felt like that sometime too. Like, God's put me in this position. I'm just like, what are we doing And the truth is, this isn't the first time that God's done this to me. I think he likes to put me in these positions where I'm kind of out of my league or I don't think I'm qualified for it. And he, he's made me learn how to kind of trust on, trust in him and lean on him when I'm doing that. Um, And so just in my life, I grew up playing sports. I love sports. And so when I went to college, I knew that I wanted to coach and I knew I wanted to teach. And so I got a degree in kinesiology 
and I got my teaching certificate and left college and started teaching. I was teaching elementary physical education and I was coaching middle school tennis. And I thought, man, what a huge opportunity. I'm coaching middle school tennis. No, that's not an opportunity. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to teach middle school tennis. It's terrifying. It was such a scary time in my life. It's 12 and 13 year old kids and their arms are too long and their legs are too long and they're tripping. And we had this genius idea, like let's give them a racket. That'll be good. Let's give them a ball. Man, it was terrifying. Really, the first miracle of my life is that I'm still here after coaching middle school tennis. It was just crazy. Um, but I really loved it. I loved what I was doing. And I was pretty good at what I was doing. Like, in the most humble way, I was kind of good at it. Um, and so I walked in one year. We had to sign our contracts at the end of every year. So I walk in one year, and uh, I'm pretty confident, you know, to sign my contract, and I'm clicking my pen, like, show me the line, here to sign, you know. And <laughs> so I walk in, and the principal says, hey, sit down. And I was like, wow, maybe I'm getting a promotion. Like, <laughs> this is really good. And she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but your job has been cut, and we don't have any place to transfer you in the whole district. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you sure it's not like the next person in line that's supposed to come in? This, this can't be the message you have for me. And she said, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. She said, you can, you can resign from the district or we can send you to teach something way over here that you're, you don't really love. And so I walked into that room that day expecting to sign for the next year and I ended up signing my resignation that day. And I walked out and I was like, what in the heck just happened? Like, this is not what I expected. And I just thought, Where, what am I supposed to do now? Like, this is, this is what God designed me to do. This is what he made me to do. And he's just closing this door on me. And so I was like, God, now what do I do? And so I spent that whole summer and I went to like every single interview and I applied for every single job. I applied for jobs that I knew that I wouldn't even be good at. I was just desperate. And I think I went to like 30 different interviews that summer. And you know how many offers I ended up with? Zero. <laughs> Not a single offer. And so that was a little humbling. Um, and so I just remembered having this time where I was like, okay, God, like, I have no idea what we're doing. I, had, I don't know why it's happening this way, but I guess show me where to go. Just tell me what to do. And I read this story in Genesis 12, and God tells Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. And I just think, man, poor Abraham. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's so vague. Like, there's no instructions. There's nothing there. Like, do you want to tell me, like, what I should pack or, like, which direction we're going? Are the kids coming? Like, do you want to tell me anything, God? And God just says, go. And that's kind of how I felt. Like, I was in this no man's land. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was headed. And God just said, we're going to go. And so, um, I don't know if you've been there in your life ever where you've just had this question like, God, I'm, I want to honor you with my life. I want to do your will, but man, how do I do that when I don't even know where we're going? I don't even know where we're headed. I have no idea what's happening. And so that's just where I was. And so I was just in this resigned position, like I'll do anything, whatever you want me to do. And so um, a few days later, a friend of mine came to me and she said, hey, I'm gonna start this coffee shop and I'm gonna serve lunch and it's gonna be great. And she said, do you wanna do it with me? And I said, 
no. <laughs> that sounds really awful. Like, I don't even drink coffee. I don't like coffee. Like, how am I supposed to serve coffee to these people that actually want to come and drink it? And I don't think I've ever even turned the burners on on my stove. So, like, I eat popcorn for dinner sometimes. And, <laughs> like, I don't think I can cook for people. And they're supposed to come and like it. And they're supposed to live. Like, no, I don't think that's, this can't be what God is asking me to do. And so I just said, obviously, God, you're confused about what the plan is. Like, this is not, I've got a degree, and it's not in, I'm not a barista. And so uh, I finally got to this point where I just had nothing else to do, and I was kind of bored. And I said, okay, fine, like, I'll start the coffee shop with you. And I would love to tell you that I walked in and God was like, here's all these talents that you knew, you didn't even know you had, and here's all these skills. Look, they've just been secretly hidden. And it just didn't happen that way. I was, <laughs> I was horrible at every single thing that we did at that shop. Horrible. Like, I tasted so much coffee and so much espresso just trying to plan for this shop. And every single thing, I was just like trying not to gag and I was like spitting it out and I was like, is it good? Is this what it's supposed to taste like? It's just, it's all really nasty to me. I don't know if I'm doing it right. It's just really gross. Like I can't believe people drink this stuff. And I remember looking up soup recipes and every soup starts with a diced onion. And I was like, okay, well, we've got this big circle and it's supposed to become all these little squares. So what the heck am I supposed to do? And so I would look up YouTube videos. This is not a lie. I had a YouTube video propped up on the counter like telling me how to dice an onion and I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm learning how to dice an onion and I'm crying because there's just this mound of onions from all the practice. I was just so bad at everything that we had to do. Nothing came naturally to me. And I just remember thinking, God, like, this is funny that you're doing this, but like, when are you gonna send me the real job that I'm supposed to do? <laughs> like, this can't be it. And so we ended up opening this shop. And uh, man, I just learned really quickly that some of you are complicated. <laughs> like, <laughs> people are just kind of, kind of complicated and people would come into this shop and I, I mean we were like we wanted to serve like cups of coffee like not crazy cups of coffee and so people would come in with their special coffee orders and they'd say well can I have an extra large brevet upside down latte with four pumps of vanilla and two pumps of sugar-free brown sugar sugar-free brown sugar and can you put caramel drizzle on the side and can you put whipped cream on the top like whip it good and then can you just do a little dusting of cinnamon sugar on top oh and can I have it 163 degrees I have a sensitive tongue. I'm like, oh my gosh, is, are you serious? And so I would just <laughs> look at them and I'd smile and I'd say, absolutely, like, have it your way. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. And I would run to the back as soon as they'd walk away and I'd Google, what the heck is a brevet latte? And how do I serve it upside down? Like, that's not going to work. And just every single day, things like this would happen. I was like, oh my gosh, how is this my life? How is this happening? Margaret, where's Margaret? You guys know Margaret. She would come into the shop, and the first time she came in, she said, I'll just have an iced tea with extra ice. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like, finally, something normal and simple. And so I handed her this iced tea, and she goes, mm, can I just have a little bit more ice? And I was like, okay, like, 
get you a little bit more ice, so fill, up up, fill it up a little bit more and hand it back to her. Can I just have just a little bit more ice? I'm like, oh, okay, like that's a lot of ice. So I dump it out and start over like mounds of ice and there's like this much tea. So I hand it back to her and she takes one sip. She goes, can I have more tea? I was like, oh God, even Margaret. That was supposed to be simple. She's supposed to be here to boost my, my self-esteem. Oh, this is bad. God, what are we doing? This can't be the plan. <laughs> and I just, I just thought, man, I'm, I'm trying really hard, God. I'm trying to honor you. But how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that in this place? And so maybe you've had this in your life or maybe it's in your marriage or your relationship. Like, God, I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to do your will, but this person is complicated. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you have a new baby at home and you're thinking, God, I'm trying to honor you, but this kid just poops and eats and poops and eats and it's a poop show over here and I can't remember the last time I pooped or I ate. Like, God, I'm trying. <laughs> Or maybe, maybe you're in a class in school and you're like, God, I'm trying to honor you, but nobody can honor you in trigonometry. Like, that's just not possible. And so I found this story in Matthew 25. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I read it, I didn't like it. But I found this story and I, I dug into it. And I really think there's some practical things that we can learn from this question, like, God, I'm trying to honor you, but I'm not sure how to do that. And so when God hands us these opportunities, I think we can learn from this story. So I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew 25, and it's verses 14 through 30. So it's kind of a big passage. So I'm going to read the whole thing. It'll be on uh, the screen behind me, or you can open it in your Bible if you want to read along. And so I'm starting in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and he gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one, two bags to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. It says the servant who received the five bags of silver began immediately to invest the money and he soon doubled it. The servant with the two bags also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I've doubled the amount. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small things, and now I can give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of silver. And he said, Sir, I gave you, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've doubled the amount. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small things, so now I can give you more. Let's celebrate together. And the, the servant with the one bag came and said, sir, I know you're a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Here it is. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant, gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, you should have at least put my money in the bank so I could get some interest. Take the money from this servant, he said, and give it to the one with the 10 bags. 
To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's nice, right? (laughs) Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I looked at Larry and I said, man, you got all the good chapters in Matthew and you left me weeping and gnashing of teeth? Not fair. I just think gnashing of teeth, like on Thursday, whoever ended up with the turkey leg, that's my image of gnashing of teeth, like you're just gnawing away at that turkey leg. Like nothing makes us more carnivorous than when the open carcass is on the table and we're just like all picking at it. We had fried turkey this year and I mean, we we couldn't wait to get our hands in there to like find the pieces, it was just nasty, but (laughs) Man, I just, that's why I didn't like this story. I was like, man, this is no fun. Like, we we don't want to go where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So how do we, how do we do this, God? What are we supposed to take away from this? And so I did a little digging and I came up with, I think there's four lessons that we can practically take away from this story that can help us when we're faced with this situation. Like, I have this opportunity and this thing from God and I'm not sure what to do with it. So, you with me? Okay, good. Number one, lesson number one, we have to say yes. And that seems so simple. And it will be simple when it's something that makes sense to us. It will be simple when it's something that benefits us or we think that's such a huge blessing. Yeah, that's easy when God says, hey, you won the lottery. And we're like, yes, like, thank you for that, God. But if we have a degree in something, he says, now go open this coffee shop. That's a little bit less easy to say a yes to. And so our first challenge, really, when God hands us anything, is we have to just say yes. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it falls in line with what we think is perfect. We have to say yes, okay? Pretty easy. Lesson number two, then we have to take a step. And so we've said yes, we've, we've been handed this gift, but now we can't just sit with it. We can't do nothing with it. We have to do something with it. We're supposed to make an effort. And so I just think about these guys in this story, especially these first two servants, they were handed this huge amount of money and all the instructions were go and invest it. There, w- there was no list like here's the investment plan. There was no like here's, here's the roadmap of how you get there. He just said, take this and invest it. And if we look at the amount of money that they were given, these guys were servants. Like they worked for the master, but the master like plops into their hands this like, like lifetime's worth of wealth. And I have to think they didn't know what to do with that money. They didn't know how to invest it. And I think what they did was just try some things out. I think they like bought a field and planted some crops and traded some sheep and bought some goats. And I think some things they probably were successful in and I think they thought, let's do those again. And I think some things they probably failed and they thought, let's not do that again. And I think they just tried. I think they made an effort. And the same with this coffee shop. I walked in every day and I I really never felt confident. I never felt like, okay, today I know what I'm doing. I would just get in that shop and I would flip the sign to open and I would say, okay, let's just just make it through the day, God. Help me to not kill anybody. I don't wanna have to call 911 today and just help help me to make it through the day. And that's just what it was. I didn't know what we were doing. 
I just tried. I just made an effort. And I think that's what we have to do too. Sometimes we don't get to see the whole picture. Sometimes we just say yes, and we just have to start trying and making an effort. So when we're handed these opportunities, we say yes, and we take a step. The next thing we have to do is have a little faith. And so this is the big one. We, <laughs> we can't have faith in ourselves and our own abilities, but we can have faith in God, right? can have faith in the God who is working through us and the God who's moving through us. And so these servants, like they take these steps and they try and they're using their gifts and they come to the master and they say, master, I've, you gave me five bags or you gave me two bags and look, now I've doubled what I've given you. And I want us to pay attention to what his praise is to them because it's not what we would think it would be. We think, man, he, they've doubled this money that he would say, yeah, like you, you made me a prophet. Or yeah, you doubled your money. Yeah, your way to go, money maker, ka-ching, ka-ching. Like that's, that's the kind of thing we think would come out of his mouth. But look what he says. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. He's not praising the money that they made. He's praising their faithfulness. He's praising the fact that they had faith, that they were willing to try even though they didn't know what they were doing. If we look back in the Bible, the word faith can also be interchanged with the word belief. And I just think that's, that's what he's praising, right? He's praising the fact that they believed, that they believed in who he was. They believed in his kingdom. They believed in what he was trying to do. They, they bought into this and they tried and they were motivated by the fact that they believed in the master. They believed in him. That's what made the difference. And man, I just, when I was working in that shop, I had no idea like to the day that I left, I had no idea why I was there. I really just was in no man's land. And the, I can look back now and I can see though that God had me there for a purpose and he had me there for a reason. And I'll tell you, that shop had nothing to do with me learning how to make coffee. And it had nothing to do with me learning how to dice an onion or how to make soup. But that shop had everything to do with my heart. And I had to learn how to love people. I had to learn how to serve people because at that time of my life, I was a little bit prideful and I was a little bit selfish. And I had to learn how to listen and how to hear what people needed. And I had to learn how to put their needs above mine and their comfort above mine. And God changed my heart in that shop and I'm telling you right now, if I didn't spend two years there, I'm not standing here. I'm not, because my heart wouldn't have been ready. And so we have to have faith. We had to have faith that God doesn't just put us in these positions. And I mean, God wasn't sitting up in heaven and saying, oops, that one lost her job. We didn't see that coming. Like, let's stick her in this shop for two years while we figure it out again. That's not who God is. God's intentional. God has a plan and it's a big plan that we get to see pieces of, but he's not just gonna toss us aside or put us in place without a purpose. And we have to believe that about him. And if we do believe that, man, it's so much easier for us when he hands us something to say, yes, I'll try really hard and I'm gonna do it because I believe in you. 
right? And so then I get to this point where now, man, I've said yes, and I'm taking all these steps, and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and I'm feeling like God's working in me, and now I realize I'm not doing it alone. But it's God working through me. It's God moving in me. It's God who's doing all of these things, and now I get to just enjoy this ride because now I realize I'm not doing this all by myself. I'm, I'm with the master, and we look at these, these last words of the master, these two servants come, and they're like, I've made all this money for you. Look what I did. And he says, man, you've been good. You've been faithful. But then his last words are, let's celebrate together, right? Can you even just for a second think about what that'll be like? That if we stand before Jesus one day, <laughs> and we've worked really hard, and I have to think I'm gonna show up, and I'm like kind of muddy, and I'm sweaty, and I'm like, like I'm working really hard, you know, like at the end of a race, and I think he's gonna be standing there, and I just think, man, what would that be like when he says, well done, you did it, like, and he's clapping, and he's excited, and he is just like, let's celebrate together. Can you even think about what that'll be like and what that would feel like. Man, that's what I'm working for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. I read this really cool book a while ago that was called Chase the Lion. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson. And this book is all about having God-sized dreams. And if we have a God-sized dream, then that means it's probably gonna scare us and terrify us because it's not something that I can do on my own. I have to have God's help to figure out this dream. And so at the beginning of this book, there's this little mantra, and there's a line that says, we're living for the applause of nail-scarred hands. And I just think, man, that's, that's what I'm living for. I wanna stand before Jesus one day, and I wanna see those scars in his hand. I wanna know what he did for me. I wanna believe that he took the cross for me, and then I wanna see those hands, and they are clapping, right? And they're cheering for me and they are saying, man, you did it. You believed in me. You tried hard things. You said yes when it didn't make sense. You did it. Let's celebrate together. Man, those words, like that's what we should be living for. And we'll realize at that point, I think, that God never needed us to work for him. God just wants us to be with him. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's not about work. It's about how do we stay connected to God. That's what he's always wanted, is for us to be reconciled with him, for us to be with him. And it's just this amazing, crazy ride that God has taken me on. I'll tell you just a quick story. A few years ago, I went skydiving with my brother uh, for a birthday present. And uh, it was one of those, like, we bought the, the Groupon rate for it, and so <laughs> we thought we were being really smart. So we pulled up to this place, and it looks like a cornfield, like we're out in the middle of nowhere. And I look at my brother, and I'm like, is this, the, is this the place? Like, this is where we're supposed to go? And we see through the field, there's like these two tracks. And so I'm like, like a bad horror movie. I'm like, well, let's drive down there. And so we drive through this field, and we get to this opening, and in the opening, there's like this little falling down shack, and there's this little prop plane that's like crashed in front of it. 
And I'm like, well, we definitely should have paid full price. Like this was, <laughs> this was a bad idea. This is one of those things that it would have been worth it to pay the full price. And so I'm like, well, we're already here. Like, let's just go and see. And so we pull up to this place and we walk in and this giant guy, he's like seven feet tall, comes out and he's talking to us and he's excited and I don't know where he was from, but we can't understand a word that's coming out of his mouth, but he's super, super excited. And he finally says, ready? And we're like, I don't, I don't even know what you just said, but like, I guess we're here, so let's do it. And so we walk into this room and they wheel in this TV for us and they, they turn on this TV and it's all these pictures of these guys like flipping out of planes and they're twisting and turning, doing all these tricks. And I'm getting pumped up. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Let's go, I'm ready to jump. And the screen goes black. And then when it comes back on, it's like 20 minutes of like all the different ways that you might die today. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just like, I didn't even know like there were that many ways to die. And so <laughs> the guy comes back in and he's like, you ready? And I'm like, I don't think I've blinked in a few minutes. And I'm like, uh, like I'm way less ready, but uh, give me just one second. Hey God, just in case we haven't taken care of a few things. If I see you today, let's just, let's just get a few things out of the way. So say a quick prayer and I'm like, all right, let's go. Like we're already here. So they walk us out and they get us all strapped up. And I look at my brother and I'm like, well, surely like the plane is big, right? And the plane's gotta be sturdy and I'm sure that there's like a very qualified pilot. <laughs> so we walk out and this plane is like this big. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's tiny. I'm like looking at it like, is there a remote control with it? Or like, does someone fly it? What is this thing? And <laughs> so the guy that checked us in climbs in and he gets in the pilot seat and I'm like, nope, this is not good. This is really not good. And so, <laughs> So they finally ask us again, are you ready? And I'm like, I guess, like, okay. And so we step into this teeny little plane and we're sitting on the floor, there's no seats. And we go up and as we're getting to altitude, they pull us to the door and they strap themselves, the instructors behind you and they strap into you and they pull you up to this door and they open the door of this plane and it is like, nothing I've ever experienced. I mean, the wind is hitting you so hard and it's so loud and you can't see anything. It's just a cloud. Like, I don't know if we're way up in the air. I don't know if we're four feet off the ground. I have no idea. And then we fall. And it's like the most terrifying and exhilarating thing that I've ever done in my life. And I could try to explain it to you or I could show you. <laughs> What do you want? Okay, all right. I'm gonna show you, but wait, let me tell you before, just a disclaimer, strange things happen to your face. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you're flying that fast and the wind is hitting you, so that's all I'm gonna say. Here it is.
<laughs> if you're thinking about getting a facelift, maybe, maybe go skydiving first and see. <laughs> Uh, we were watching The Grinch this weekend, and I was like, man, I feel like my mouth did the same thing that The Grinch did. It was crazy. But let me tell you something, man, that ride was crazy, and it was wild, and it's, it's terrifying, but it's so cool because the entire time you're strapped to somebody that you trust, right? You're strapped to somebody that knows what they're doing, and man, as soon as we landed, the first thing out of my mouth was, let's do that again. And that's that's how this ride is, I promise you. When you start trusting Jesus, when you start saying yes and you're working hard and you have faith in him and you see him work in your life, you enjoy this ride and the next time he says, hey, I've got something, you're like, okay, let's do it. I'm ready. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm ready. And so I just want to encourage you today and that's, that's why the ride is so good. The ride is so good because we're doing it with Jesus. It's so good because we're strapped to the master. And so what's God offered you? What's he holding out to you? There's got to be something. There's something in your life. For me, it was a strange little coffee shop that didn't make sense. And he's probably holding something out to you today. And you have a choice. You can take it and you can bury it in the ground. Or you can take it and you can try to do something. You can try to take a step. You can have faith in who he is and you can see, man, what's next after you do that. But I just want to encourage you today, man, don't bury it. Don't just sit on whatever he's handed you. Because if we look at this third servant in this story, it says he buried his money. He brought it back to the master. And he ended up in a very different place than these other two guys. He wasn't celebrating at the end. He got cast into outer darkness, with weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And I just think, man, why was his story so different? What was so different? He had the same master. He was handed something huge. And the difference was he didn't believe in the master. He didn't believe in who he was. He didn't believe in his kingdom. He didn't believe that God had a good plan for him. And so he did nothing. And man, I just, Satan would just love if he could get into your head for just a second and if he could mess up your view of who God really is. Satan would just love it if he could make you think that God is harsh or that God is condemning or that God is just waiting for you to screw up so that he can cast you out, Satan would love that opportunity because if he can make you believe that even just a little bit, it might be just enough to make you do nothing. And I think for Satan, us doing nothing is just about as good as us turning our backs on Jesus. So I just want to encourage you today. Man, that's not who God is. That's not who he is. God is loving. He is our father. He wants to celebrate us. He wants to do these things with us. He wants to work in you. He wants to be connected to you. And you know how I know? Because my favorite verse in the entire Bible says it. And I can remember the exact place that I was when I heard this verse. And it was a place in my life where I was like, why the heck am I here? <laughs> I was sitting in a class and I thought, this is not where I'm supposed to be. 
but I heard this verse, and that may have just been the reason. It's Zephaniah, and you know you're saying it right if it sounds kind of like a sneeze. Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. Really listen to these words, because this is who God is. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, and with his love, he will calm all your fear and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Man, that's who God is. He is your warrior. He is fighting all of your battles. He's your savior. He's here to redeem you and to lift you up and to place you on a firm foundation. That's who God is. He has so much love for you. He wants to cast out all of your fear and all of your doubt and all of your anxiety and everything. He wants to replace it with his love. And it says that he delights in every detail of our lives, that he's singing over us. Like This is who God is. He's not cruel. He's not harsh. He's not condemning, and he's not waiting for you to screw up. He is the exact opposite. And if we'll believe that about our Father, if we'll believe that about God, man, it's so much easier for us to say, God, I'm here to honor you. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here to honor you. I'll say yes. I'll take a step. Have a little faith, and we'll enjoy the ride together. Is it a scary thing to do? Heck yes. (laughs) It's been scary a lot of times in my life. This morning was a scary thing for me. Is it outside of your comfort zone? You betcha. It's going to be outside of your comfort zone. But is it worth it? Absolutely. There's nothing better than when you realize that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, is with you and in you. There's nothing better. It's definitely worth it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, man, I just thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you just for... uh, this morning, and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word that promises that you are a good father, that you love us unconditionally, that you're singing over us, and that you're delighting in our lives. I thank you for that promise that we can step out, that we can say yes to hard things, that we can take steps even when we're not sure where we're headed, that we can have faith in you, Father, and who you are, and we don't have to have all these abilities and skills ourselves. I thank you that you want to celebrate with us, that you want us to enjoy this ride together right now, that you want to be with us so badly that you gave us your son that gives us a way to come to you, Father. We thank you for all these things. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. No, don't stand. (laughs) Come back next week. Next week we're starting our Christmas series called Bah Humbug. It's going to be delightful. See you next week.